Welcome back to Range Anxiety. It's that time again. I'm your host, Martin Donnan, bringing you 30 years of automotive tuning experience in around about 30 minutes. Every few days at the moment, I'm not running out of things to say, strangely enough. People are going, oh, Martin, you know, don't do too many too soon because then you're going to run out of material. But you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to run out of material. One, firstly, I never shut up. And two, I've been doing this stuff, playing with cars, so long that there's just about a story from every day. So in another, well, 29 and a half years, I should be just about done with this Epicast, the most exciting podcast in automotive history, in my opinion. And some of you love it. Um, I'm getting more and more people that are just binging on episodes, saying, Martin, some of you early sound quality is a bit shit and yes it was kind of terrible but we've been working on that and getting it better as we go um, working on the volumes levels keeping everything up and you'll find the last 10 or so episodes have been a lot better so yeah we're working hard on that we've got to make this listenable but the biggest thing i've been getting is people that have been mentioned in this is having banter with each other. Oh, this guy said this about me and that's wrong. I can prove it's wrong. Da 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 da. And on it goes. You know, the main two protagonists here are my two good friends, Julian Newton from City Motor Group, dealer principal there. Julian, it's about time you put your hand in your pocket and sponsor this. I know those pockets are pretty deep. Don't tell me they're not. And of course, everyone's favourite, the crowd favourite, Nick. Edelweiss, Streckelsen, Streckheisen, Strecko, Streckwreck, whatever you want to call him. People just love that guy because he's the closest thing to a stand-up comic I know without actually being a comic. He's one funny mofo, that's for sure. And just today, both Julian and Nick have been going at each other head to head on Facebook about shonky times, this isn't true, I beat you then, oh, on it goes. And it, it's bloody hilarious. I love it. you know. And my listeners, I'm sure you will love it too. But how did these guys get like this? Are they just nuts? Well, yeah, they are pretty nuts, the pair of them. But no, the culture of motor racing is such that it's hilarious to have banter. That's what we call it in Australia. I'm sure it's probably called the same thing in the States. But because when we go motor racing, if we've been doing it for a lot of years, we spend most of our time standing around in the pits with nothing to do and very little of it actually racing on the track. So the more experienced guys like Julian and Nick and and myself to a small degree, we've come up with ways to antagonize each other. (laughs) And that's called banter. So there's more going on off the track normally than there is going on on the track. Now, these two guys have been doing it with each other for a long time. Me, not so long. I've only sort of been club-level racing and state-level racing for about, since 2010. Yeah, that is a long time ago now, or 2008 or something. And we had a little group of hill climbers. You know, hill climbs, like, as I've described to you before, it's a pretty social sport, and, you know, no one takes it too seriously. Those that take it really seriously are normally the really slow guys. The really fast guys know that there's there's stuff above this, so you know that they don't get too wound up about it. So they tend to stir the living shit out of each other. Now we used to do it back in the day. We had a little group of friends that used to race Evos, and I was I was the odd man out because I had an STI 2008 STI at the time, and it was fast, but it never 
quite had the chassis or the driver. It was me. I was probably the slowest part of it. That the Mitsubishi's had. So we used to have kind of like a wooden spoon award for who would be the slowest or have the biggest stuff up over the weekend. Normally they would lead me out of it because I wasn't quite up the pointy end of proceedings. But we were that serious about it that we actually bought off eBay a clown suit. So when we would go away racing for the weekend somewhere, I think this was down at uh, the Mount Alma Mile, which is down at the south coast of South Australia, down in the beautiful Inman Valley region. We <coughs> took the clown suit with us and whoever made the biggest stuff up on the day or whoever didn't get closest to their times would actually end up wearing the clown suit when we went out for the night. And I kid you not, one of the most conservative, nicest guys I know, a guy called Matt Dreco. Hi, Dreco, if you're listening, you knew this was going to come up. He didn't go as fast as he should have. He didn't really do anything wrong. I mean, he was a gun hill climber. But uh, Mount Alma Mile sort of always used to see him come up a little short sometimes, at least on the first day. He, he would always be fast towards the end. He ended up having to go down to McCracken Estate in Victor Harbour, which is like a, a restaurant, dressed in a clown suit. And this was a proper clown suit with the pants and the big squirty flower on the front. And he looked like, you know, we thought he was going to get laughed out of the place and people were going to, you know, just point at him and stare and say, who's this weirdo? They probably did, but strangely enough, the majority of people actually loved him and thought he was on some sort of like weird bucks night or something. So all the girls were like, oh, isn't he such a lovely guy? And it's like, whoa, this backfired terribly. Matt did go on, I reckon, at that event to really take that clown suit off and I think he ended up very much the fastest of us. I think there was a big crash and burn for one of us at that event but he was one of the guys that probably took himself a little bit more seriously and didn't get involved in the level of banter that we were involved in. So yeah and it kind of progressed from there. One of our, our friends, one of the members of the group, we knew him as a flyboy. He had probably the most mischievous sense of humour of all. He was a Air Force pilot and a darn good one. And he's a trainer now, I think, and we actually extradited him to Canada. So anybody in Canada that goes to local motor racing events, look out for the flyboy. He was in the middle of a house renovation and he had this great insulation that uh, went in the roof. It was all that silvery coated stuff that was designed to keep the, the heat out. And he actually had some left over. And he thought rather than the clown suit for this event, which was down further down the southeast, the legend of the lakes, he thought he would actually make a diaper, a bright silver diaper, a nappy out of this stuff. And whoever made the biggest stuff up for the weekend had to wear the diaper out in public to dinner. And guess who made the biggest error of the weekend? Yep, yours truly. I was the diaper wearer at dinner. I don't really like talking about it, but I don't, I don't care either. But what I did probably still lives on as urban legend, or it's actually fact. It's not a legend, but it still lives on today. The event, they just contracted some local metal workers to put up this beautiful gantry by the start line at Legend of the Lakes. It was a beautifully made metal thing. It was a big sort of metal archway with two... Um, solid side supports and it was kind of it had little feet that went onto the ground that stabilized it you know like a little four-way foot on each side of it 
It was a reasonably heavy thing and it was reasonably tall. And as you would line up to go to the start area, you were allowed to do a tyre warm-up. And so I was uh, running a harder set of tyres and it was really cold. So I figured my run at this time of the day, it was time to get serious. And rather than just do a little wrong takeoff, I held this thing on the limiter and sidestepped it. And part of it, sort of when you were pulling up towards the start line, was to go through this gantry. Well, they had water bollards up down the side of it, those big plastic things full of water. So should you hit them, you know, you're not going to go spearing off into the crowd. So I dumped the clutch in the Subaru and it got a little bit sideways. And I thought, this is all right. I got this. I got this. But one of the water bollards was leaking. So the right front touched the water and I got this, I got this, turned into, uh-oh, it's got me, it's got me. And the car went sideways, pointed the nose towards the barriers. I didn't touch the barriers, but as I went through this, through this gantry, I, by this stage I had the car all locked up and sliding through there at about a 40 degree angle. And as I went through there, the front clipped the first of the uprights, the right-hand upright. And I went, chomp, boom, hit it. And I thought, oh, shit, here we go. Wonder what damage that's done to the car. However, it took about four or five seconds and the whole structure started to rock and then this big archway came down. And as it came down, both legs, big, tall legs, it would have been three and a half, four metres high, this thing. So, you know, it was like, whatever that is, 30 feet, 20 feet high. As it came down, this big semicircular arch shape, like a small version of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, came down and it bounced on the front guard. It bounced again on the roof of the car. It bounced again on the roof of the car and then came down and bounced again on the hatch. It smashed the living bejesus out of my poor STI. More to the point is I looked like a total goose. So... No one actually had their camera running at the time on their phone because I wasn't that spectacular to watch until this point in time. No one recorded it live. However, there was a car in the lineup that uh, belonged to a mate of mine, one of our group called the Silver Fox, and he had his GoPro running. You couldn't see me, but you could actually hear the whole thing happen. Clunk. And then bang, bang bang as the whole structure collapsed on me and the silver fox got all of this like uh, great audio with the video pointing in a different direction recorded and his reaction was the funniest of all he was like oh no donnan oh no and you see him with throw his hands in the air and yeah so i was probably the worst spectacle of that whole event the organizers actually pulled me aside and got shitty with me for destroying their new structure. It couldn't go up again on the weekend. I actually smashed it to pieces. It did $6,500 worth of damage to the Subaru, but I ruined all of their wonderful handiwork. I have been back since. Um, they didn't actually ban me, but I still do live uh, on in legend when I get customers up from Mount Gambia, which is a long way away from Adelaide, you know, that's at Vegas to, to LA distance. They say, have you ever been to Mount Gambier? And I can just say, yeah, I was the guy that mowed down the start line, you know, at that hill climb. But, oh, was that you? So I still get it today. However, 
we had to go out that night for dinner and I was still like licking my wounds. We kind of taped the car up and it ripped the sidewall out of one of the tyres. So I put a second hand set of tyres on it and or a second hand front. And the car was never so good. So we went out to drown our sorrows that night on the Saturday night before the Sunday activities or festivities came up. And yep, I had to go to the West restaurant wearing the silver nappy. So yeah, I... I copped some of the banter and I copped heaps of reenactment videos and, you know, everyone was just really kind of pissed that they didn't get the footage and thank God they didn't because that would probably live on on the internet or YouTube forever. So, yeah, that was my, uh, that was my banter. That was, that was pretty bad. But one thing it did do, when we would get stuck into each other just so vehemently and so hard the whole time we were racing, it would push us on to do other things it would push us to go faster it would push us to try harder and that's why we used to set one hell of a lot of hill climb records back in the day all of those guys involved in the banter all of them went fast some of the guys were a bit quieter like my mate Bobo and his WRX I used to lean in through the window when he was going into form up and try and slap him on the helmet and that became a game but every time I would do this to him he would go faster and faster until he became an absolute jet and knocked off any of the times that I'd done it, you know, any of these places. So teasing each other and staring each other with the banter is what makes you fast. And of course, Julian and Nick, having been around for many, many years and raced against each other over many, many years, they knew this well in advance. And they were bringing up some stories today on Facebook that would make your hair curl. There was a series in Australia called Saloon Car Racing where you had your basic GM and your Ford six cylinders and it was a control series. And Streco would come up with tales of Daring Do where, you know, he only had a second-rate car because he never spent any of his mega budget on it. You know, poor Streco, always hard done by without the best equipment. You often hear this from R35 GDR owners, actually. They're always lamenting the fact, you know, that they don't have fast cars. Yeah, right. Well, Streco used to get, well, he used to tell me he used to win rounds, win championships, fly through the air with the greatest of ease, particularly at Phillip Island, Streco, if you remember that. But he used to race against Julian, and Julian was well fast. Julian did have a better car than Streco, to tell the truth. And apparently, according to Streco, Julian had special valve seats that might not have been considered legal the whole time. But Julian, I think, won a championship where Streco didn't. And so that you know, got in Streco's craw. So every time they would go hill climbing, Streco would always have a more modified car for hill climbing because Julian would tend to use a stocker, sort of his road car. And Streco would have some WRC-inspired weapon that, you know, allegedly only had 100 horsepower at the wheels, more like 400, and do these incredible times. Well, it's a bit, these guys, it's a bit like the story of when you go fishing. And you catch something that's, you know, a tiny little fish. But when you're at the pub later and you're talking to your mates, even that same night, it's growing in arms, you know, an arm's length in size. And this fish was this big. Well, imagine these guys recounting their times of their hill climb escapades after a decade. Imagine how big those fish have got. Streco, I reckon, has found about two seconds over the last 10 years on his times and the thing is this was before records begun so there's no actual even way of recording the streco 
to see actually how fast he was or wasn't. So it comes back to one man's word against the other. Now, Julian swears black and blue. The Strecko never did a 33 at Collin Grove, a flat 33, he reckons. A 3301 was what Strecko's talking about. Julian reckons it was more like 34s and 35s. Strecko swears on his life it was a low 33. I mean, he knows. He did the time. These two guys were up there on the same day racing, and there is no record of it. Julian, all he knows, and Julian put this in writing today, is that everywhere they've ever been, Julian's always kicked his ass. So this went on. This has gone on well since those days of, you know, racing slowly up the hill in near stock version 5 STIs. That's how long ago it was, like 1999 probably, 2001. This goes on to this day. Every time there is a track day, even if the other one isn't there, there is a third player in this, a guy called Seb, but we won't bring him up yet till he volunteers to be on the show. But he is he is probably the next best stand-up comic I know alongside Nick. The thing is, Seb knows he's being funny. Nick doesn't. <laughs> Therein lays the difference. Um, and what they will do is if one of them's at an event and the other isn't there, they'll log in and watch the live timing. They'll contact anyone they know that is there to try and take down time, send them photos, tell them what's happening. And then they'll just start ribbing each other via SMS. This is what they do. And, you know, Nick had a bad day at the track the other day. He came back and he goes, you know, it's not so bad. The car breaks, but it's having to put up with this absolute tirade of abuse from these knuckleheads that aren't even there. How do they know? Well, Nick, there's this little thing called the internet. And every time they know that you're going to be out there, and every time you know they're out there, you're all logged in, and you're looking on the screen going, oh, I can't wait till one of them makes the stuff up, because I'm going to get stuck into them. Oh, and it happens. Julian actually came up with some actual sayings. So when I'd ask him, I wouldn't, when I wasn't at an event, and I'd SMS Julian, because I was always too busy racing his car or scraping it up off the road or whatever, I'd say, Julian, how's Strecko going? He'd go, mate, he's nowhere. That was always his saying. The thing about Strecko is, at the start of an event, he would always be fast. Strecko would always be in the top handful, if not right on the pointy end of any event he went to. But as the event came around, he would go from somewhere, this is in Julian's opinion, I've seen Nick win many events, but in Julian's opinions... Strecker would go from the Saturday morning of being somewhere to on the Sunday afternoon of being nowhere. Julian actually even drew me a diagram of Strecko's progress across an event once, and I reckon I still have a photo of it saved on my phone, from somewhere to nowhere. But these guys didn't always have faultless runs. I mean, Nick's made a fair few stuff-ups. Not so much driver error. He drives pretty darn good, as I've said before. Julian, I reckon, has even made the odd stuff up behind the wheel. Isn't that right, Julian? I remember someone in their R35 GDR getting very, very close to binning it big time at the same event that our mate Matt was wearing the clown suit. You would have been wearing that clown suit for sure, my friend. But the point is, you got very lucky, and instead of digging into the ditch like another poor bugger in a GDR did, and going upside down and catching fire, he sort of dug in 
and bounced out. So, you know, he, Julian sort of did have the Midas touch on this one. But one thing I've come to know across the years is that the further up you go in the ranks, I mean, I don't know that many V8 supercar drivers. I know a couple. I don't know that many of them. But the further up you go in the ranks, particularly with the rally guys and the tarmac rally guys, the more and more they actually get stuck into each other to push each other on and on. So if you're a budding young driver, my advice to you the whole time is make sure you give it out and give as good as you get. In fact, one V8 supercar driver I do know is a bit of a shorter guy. A lot of them are quite small, light guys. Small and light is fast. And when he was driving a GT car, a Lamborghini, he had an insert in the seat because between him and the co-driver, he was a bit shorter, so he needed an insert. And on the back of his insert was drawn in a paint marker a very large male physical appendage. That's how they knew it was his. So yeah, even at the highest level where these guys are essentially getting paid to drive cars, they do this shit, and that's what makes it so cool. So who's right and who's wrong? Well, we don't know the real answer yet, so I've decided to go one further. Not only am I going to have Paul Howes on, probably next week, because he works week on, week off. There are going to be a few episodes before I get Paul back. But I'm going to get Julian and Nick together and record them both together at the pub. So they're both going to have a beer in hand. So those fish are going to get bigger and bigger and the stories are going to get larger and larger. And I'm going to put them head to head to see who can tell the to make up the biggest stories, who can tell the biggest fibs, as we call them in Australia, about who was faster and who wasn't. I reckon I already know which one of them's the better driver and which one of them is actually faster overall. But do you? I know there are some people that listen to this that know both of them, like Matt Close, you're one of them. You're a big rally guy, and I reckon, yeah, I know a bit about your history too, and I reckon you've been up for the silver nappy or the clown suit from time to time, haven't you, Closey? But you know what? If you're not having accidents, if you're not pushing it, if you're not breaking the odd car and binning it, you aren't going fast. These guys are all fast, so they all make stuff-ups, and that's what I love about them so much. It's not just me. So if you reckon you know who the biggest clown suit wearer is, I want you to email me at my email address, dtech at senet.com.au. That's D-T-E-C-H at senet, S-E-N-E-T dot com And let me know who you think the biggest clown out of the pair of those two is and which one is going to be deserved of wearing the clown suit that I'm going to take with us and we'll actually attach some photos in the show notes of one of them putting on the clown suit. Yeah, I reckon it's about the same. I reckon those two guys are about the same size. It might be a little bit tighter on Nick than Julian. You know, Nick does like his Swiss food and a bit of sauerkraut from time to time. And Julian's a bit more of a whippet of a build of a man. But I reckon either of them are going to get in it. They're both fairly like small around the waist. So they'll both get in this. I reckon we might do this broadcast, Epicast, live from the Feathers Hotel in Burnside, South Australia. It's going to be a good thing, and I reckon we're going to try and do it in about eight or nine days' time. So please, if you've got any interest in listening to these two banter up and you want to learn the craft yourself, 
make sure you check back in to Range Anxiety and thanks once more for listening.